she hits a button on the wall that I, I only thought they did for like, you know, dignitaries and politicians, you know, they kind of have this special service for them. Well, I got that special treatment that day because a whole team of doctors, nurses, literally picked me up out of my chair, put me on a gurney and rushed me into a trauma room. Welcome to Story Sanctuary, a space for NICU parents to process and share their stories as a form of healing. Each episode features a different family's birth story, and today we're joined by Ebony. Ebony, what's your child's name and what are they doing right now? My daughter's name is Ray Victoria, and she should be sleeping right now. (laughs) I'm always interested in what kids are doing that allows parents time away, especially medical parents. So I like to ask that question first. Sleep would probably be the only reason why. Ebony, where does your story begin? My story begins in, I would say the end of 2013. My husband and I had just experienced a stillbirth, a 32-week stillbirth. And then we experienced a 14-week loss, and we were listening to our OBGYN basically telling us flat out, you guys really need to stop kidding yourselves. I think it's time to take another route. Maybe you want to pursue adoption, because I don't think that pregnancy is meant for you. A bullet to the heart um, is the best way that I could describe that feeling. But I knew in my gut, as hurt and as broken as I was, that our story was just not done yet. Fast forward to 2016, we become pregnant with twins. Uh, an amazing time. It felt like, wow, redemption is here. And unfortunately, to twin to twin transfusion, we lost our sons at 22 weeks. Now I'm done. The words of that same doctor have come to replay in my mind. And I said, you know what? That's it. I'm done. Let's just pursue other options when we're ready right now. Let's just heal. Let's enjoy each other. I went back to school. I finished my degree. And we just focused on other things. Um, You know, focusing on each other and just building a strong union. Like September of 2018, of 2017, um, I started having that feeling again, like, gosh, there's supposed to be a child in this house. We had just brought a new condo, and I just felt like there's supposed to be a child here. Um, But it's not going to happen, so let me just get over it. And I found myself up every night kind of looking at, like, different ads about adoption and adoption stories. And I just felt like, okay, maybe this is the route we need to go. So I took the time to find an adoption lawyer. I set up a consultation. My husband and I were set to go. It was going to be the before our fifth wedding anniversary. Um, and then we were just going to celebrate the next day that hopefully, you know, we found the route we want to take. Well, a few weeks before that meeting, I began to experience symptoms that I knew were pregnancy. I knew it. Let me really invest, um, invest in that feeling. 
And my husband kept begging me and begging me and begging me, please take a test. Please take a test. And I'm like, nope, not doing it. Nope, I'm not pregnant. It's something else. No, I'm fine. And he's like, you're extra tired. And I'm like, nah, it's just my health. Um, I do suffer from an autoimmune disease called lupus. So a lot of my symptoms, I was kind of attributing to that. But I knew. I, I just knew um, that I was pregnant. So finally, I gave in um, because I started having really strong um, abdominal pains. And of course, because of what we've been through, my mind said, oh, you're having an ectopic pregnancy. This isn't good. So I'm like, you know, let me just take a test and take it from there. At least if I am pregnant, if I'm, well, if I'm not pregnant, I'll find out at home and then I can go to the emergency room and just rule that out. And if I am, then... This is probably just not good. Anyway, took the test, and before I could even sit it on the counter, the line popped. And I was like, whoa, okay. So I called my husband at work, and I'm like, you're not going to believe this. So two days before, we were due to see an adoption lawyer. We found out we were pregnant. So we find out um, two days before we're due to see an adoption lawyer, three days before our fifth wedding anniversary, that we are indeed pregnant. Um, I am a huge believer um, in, you know, numerology and just that certain numbers mean certain things. And five is considered to be the number of grace. And it's odd because that was something I was kind of um, preparing myself for, whether it was adoption or whether we would get pregnant that. I would have the grace to kind of come through my trauma and embrace a new situation. And it looked like Grace was going to meet us because we were pregnant. So uh, we go with the doctor. Everything is perfect. Great. It is not a topic. Everything is just how it's supposed to be. And that's the beginning of an amazingly beautiful unsymptomatic pregnancy. No sickness, no real tiredness. Everything was perfect. So around 20 weeks, um, my, this is a new doctor, the same doctor that told us it would never happen. Um, She begins to step up the testing that she does for me uh, because I was considered high risk. I was basically seen twice a month, always blood work and different panels just to make sure everything was great. Not just with the pregnancy, but also my health and everything up to this point was fine. She had me start doing like some um, 24 hour urinalysis and stuff um, because she was very worried about preeclampsia. She also put me on aspirin, um, just a couple of different measures just to prevent preeclampsia. But everything was going great. No issues. I barely, barely gave any weight. Um, Things were great. We already knew we were having a girl at about 11 weeks. And we knew what her name was um, before we even knew she was a girl, just because we knew we wanted my husband's initials. Um, We couldn't really figure out the R and the V just yet, but our minds went back to um, a particular scripture, um, a passage in the Bible that says, if you suffer with him, you'll reign with him. So it felt like all of that suffering was finally coming to a point like where we where we really about to reign above infertility and loss and trauma and all of that. So the name brain was locked in automatically. Um, my husband's sister's name is Victoria. Um, and I thought I was doing it for that purpose, but little did I know rain Victoria would literally become like 
our entire story. Like she was literally going to reign victoriously. So at 25 weeks, um, I went in to see my doctor to get clearance to fly. Um, my husband um, is not only a preacher, but he's also a gospel recording artist. And there is an award show called the Stellar Awards for gospel artists. Um, he was due to perform, had a couple performances, and we were going to kind of let this double as our baby moon, so to speak. So I asked to get clearance. Um, I couldn't see my doctor this particular day. She had an emergency C-section. And her partner pretty much was like, yeah, you're good. And I'm like, well, I have a little swelling in my ankles. This is new. It's like, well, your blood pressure's fine. Um, you know, you're good to go. So I'm like, okay, well, don't I need my regular, you know, blood work and stuff? He was like, no, it's all been great. You're fine. Go have fun. Enjoy yourself. So I'm like, okay, I'm good. So a few days later, we fly to Las Vegas. First day there, everything's great. Second day, I wake up, hands swollen, feet swollen, feeling a little sluggish. By the next day, I can barely walk. Um, I am winded. Um, I am feeling sick. I don't want to eat. Um, and I know something is very, very wrong. Um, I had made it this far in pregnancy before, but it didn't feel like this. I wasn't sure if this was just, you know, third trimester stuff kind of coming early. It kind of sounded like what I hear everyone complain about. So I wasn't quite sure. But when I got to the point that I could not bend my legs because they were so swollen that I had to go to Walmart to buy shoes because I was busting out of all the ones that I packed, I knew okay, this is far from normal. So I sent the message to my doctor, just letting her know what I was experiencing. And I kept contemplating going to the emergency room um, because we stayed about two blocks from an emergency room. Part of me said go, but the other part of me said don't do it. And the part of me that said don't do it was far stronger, which I thought was weird because normal, wise, careful Ebony would have just went. But I didn't go. My doctor said just, hurry up come home I'm on call all weekend come in I'll see you so I come in um, I go to labor and delivery as they tell you to do um, I was basically told there this isn't pregnancy related per se you're not in labor so you need to go to the emergency room although I'm explaining my symptoms the nurse is insisting on telling me oh you're fine you're fine I'm sure it's fine it's fine and I'm like ma'am I am not fine like I'm not fine I can barely see. My vision is gray. I'm swollen. I'm not fine. So they take me to the emergency room, and there I find out that my blood pressure was a whopping 262 over 156. My heart rate was in the 200. As I said, I was seeing gray at this point and was seeing spots. I couldn't move quickly. It, it literally was very movie-esque. Like, I, it's really kind of hard to describe it if you've never experienced it. But it's like living with gray sunglasses on and seeing stars at the same time. Every time you go to move, I could barely breathe. So by the time the blood pressure cuff goes on, she hits a button on the wall. Um, you, you're familiar with the D.C. area. I had my daughter at um, GW Hospital. So she hits a button on the wall that I, I only thought they did for, like, you know, dignitaries and politicians, you know, they kind of have this special service for them. Well, I got that special treatment that day because a whole team of doctors, nurses, literally picked me up out of my chair, put me on a gurney and rushed me into a trauma room. And from there, the next 30 minutes were extremely chaotic. 
Um, but we found out that I did indeed have preeclampsia. That was one of the first things that came back. Um, fluid on the lungs and the heart per an x-ray. And a doctor came in and told me, look, you know, you definitely have preeclampsia. I think I could keep you pregnant until 32 weeks. So you're going to stay here in the hospital for the next six weeks and everything's going to be great. So I'm like, uh, I don't know about the everything is going to be great part, but if that's what I have to do, you know, that that's what I'll do. So as my husband's on the phone, getting ready to tell our family what's being said, they come back in because the rest of my blood work has come in and they flat out say, um, I, I know we told you you were going to be here for six weeks, but you're delivering your baby today. Now you're going to the OR right now. And I'm like, whoa, wait, what just happened? What is going on? So I not only had severe preeclampsia, but it progressed into something called HELP syndrome. HELP syndrome is basically where um, your blood ceases to clot. Um, you can go into liver failure. My liver enzymes were seven times the normal amount. I was a complete liver failure. I was in kidney failure, which is why I didn't even realize I had not been to the restroom in over a day. I was not eating. I was basically in multi-organ failure and had no idea. I had no idea how sick I was. So they rushed me upstairs. They quickly prepare me. And a NICU doctor comes and runs off all these horrible statistics about 26-weeker babies, cerebral palsy, brain bleed, seizures, epilepsy, um, death, all of these horrible things. They're, they're saying these things to me as they're running me into an, into an OR. While they're doing that, the doctor says, you're going to be intubated this we're going to put you to sleep we're going to intubate you unfortunately your husband's not going to be able to be in the room because of that and we're going to keep you in the icu for at least a day intubated and sedated after this and before i could fully react to what was being said it was lights out i woke up the next day hands well I looked up and I could see the clock the clock hit like just hit like a little past noon and I'm looking around there's nobody in my room I go to sit up and realize I can't I go to move my hands and my feet and realize I can't I am tied to the bed and then I feel a pressure in my chest and I realize I am still intubated and I'm tied to the bed so for like the next few minutes for me it felt like an eternity I was literally crying freaking out, trying to figure out what is going on. I couldn't reach any buttons or anything. So I literally just had to lay there and just kind of talk myself down from kicking out. The doctor, nurse, somebody comes in and they're like, hi, you know, how you doing? How you feeling? You know, we wanted to lift your sedation to see how you're doing. Um, you know, you took you took a little steep turn last night. We weren't sure if we were going to have to transplant you. Um, but we did do dialysis to kind of help your kidneys. We've given you um, fluids and diuretics and all this other stuff. Um, they began to tell me they took about 40 pounds of fluid from my catheter line. Like all of those diuretics were helping to get all of all of what I guess my kidneys weren't flushing out of my body. So he's like, okay, are you ready to get the tube out? And I'm nodding like, yes, please hurry up, <laughs> get this out. So they turn the machine off, they take the tube out. And um, he's just running off all this stuff. And I'm like, I really don't care. 
what is going on with my baby? Where is my husband? What, what, what is going on here? And I'm like, what is today's date? Like, have I been in the state for a couple of days? What's going on? It's, it's the next day. So thankfully, I have not missed much. Shortly thereafter, my husband comes in and shows me a picture of our daughter. And I'm in utter disbelief. Um, I've never seen a baby so tiny. I've never seen a baby that looked that sick. Um, I don't know why in my mind at 26 weeks, I'm thinking like a three pound baby. Um, he gave me her weight in grams and I'm like, well, I don't know what that equates to. So he gets on Google and we find out that our daughter weighs one pound, 15 ounces. And I'm like, how is this possible? So to fast forward for the rest of the day, they work on getting my blood pressure stable, you know, getting everything well. And at the end of the night, I was able to transfer from the ICU down to labor and delivery. The NICU and labor and delivery are on the same floor. So they assured me that once I got settled in labor and delivery, they would take me to see my baby. And around midnight that night, they wheeled me to take her um, to go see her. And um, I just couldn't believe it. Um, she was the size of my hand, a little longer, um, but she kicking and pulling stuff. And the nurses are telling me like how she's really sassy. She's a fighter. And I'm like, how do you know all that already? And they're like, we have had to put her oxygen back on multiple times. She has put her feeding tube multiple times. Ms. Rain is not happy. So from there, began on a cute journey. Um, which was fairly, honestly, uneventful compared to her peers. Um, she did have two lung collapses within the first three days of life. Um, two lung collapses, two chest tubes, um, infections from that. She had an ear infection a little later on, but overall, she did really well. Um, they told us to not expect to come home until our due date or later. And we came home three weeks before our due date. So she did very, very well. Um, by the time she came home, she was six pounds, 10 ounces, wearing newborn clothes, and everything seemed great. Um, no oxygen, no feeding tubes, no medicine. It just felt like I had just had a baby, and she came home, and it just felt like the experience I thought I was going to have from jump. And everything was beautiful, but that didn't last very long. Um, she got sick about eight weeks after she came home, um, seemed like a cold um, ended up being something called croup. We also found that she had um, a mild case of RSV during that admission. So we stayed in the PICU for about four to five days, came home, still everything was great. A month later, sick again, RSV. A month later, sick again, pneumonia. A month later, two days before Christmas, she comes down with a horrible case of RSV, pneumonia, and bronchitis. And at this point, I'm like, okay, nobody told me that this was going to be it. Like, she left the NICU, she was fine. And now we're always in the emergency room. We're always in the hospital. Like, what is going on? During that admission, um, she went from just regular low-flow oxygen to high-flow to BiPAP, which is almost like a space mask, like a CPAP mask-looking thing. Mind you, she's nine months old, so she's scratching her face so she's bleeding trying to get it off she's crying she's screaming she was just completely inconsolable which made her condition worse she ended up having to be sedated and intubated which broke my heart 
Um, so Christmas Day, there we were. Instead of being at home wearing our ugly sweaters, we were in the PICU um, watching her little lifeless body. Um, but she did recover well over the next few days. And uh, we made it home on New Year's Eve, which I was really, really grateful for. Um, during that admission, they saw some of her scans. They weren't sure if the spots that they were seeing or how lungs were a reflection of the RSV or the pneumonia. They weren't sure. So they had us bring her back in, do some more scans, and um, they saw those same spots again. Although she had been on antibiotics, she had, you know, done everything we needed to do. She was completely fine and well. They couldn't figure out why they were still seeing these spots. So they had us come back in, did a CT scan, and then her doctor called me and said, we need to do a biopsy. We need to do a lung biopsy on her. And, you know, when you think biopsy, you're thinking cancer, or at least that's what I think. I'm thinking, like, you suspect cancer. And he's like, no, I think there are tumors in her airways and on the outside of her lung. And I'm like, that makes no sense. Where would that have come from when you have seen that? And he said, well, the only time we've seen x-rays of her lungs are when they're full of gunk. The only time we get chest x-rays is when she has RSV or pneumonia. Now we're getting healthy x-rays and scans and we can see that there's something there. So two days after her first birthday, we take her in for her biopsy. And about a week later, we found out that she has tumors called fibromas. Much like uterine fibroids, they are like benign uh, fibrous tumors. She has them in her airways and outside of her right lung. So I'm like, okay, what do we do? Like, is it surgery? And he's like, because of the size and the location, I would be cutting way too much lung tissue. He said, I don't feel comfortable on a child her size. Um, I'm not comfortable taking a risk of infection because I don't think she would survive it. He said, we've got to find another way. So me and my mom get, I don't take no for an answer. I start looking up, uh, researching. I'm up all night looking up things. I'm reading medical journals. I'm just up trying to figure out what I could do. And I came across a story of a 12-month-old child who had the same condition, pulmonary fibromatosis, who had undergone radical radiation and saw great success in the shrinking of those tumors. So I took everything I found back into our doctor, and he's like, mm, I think she'd be a good candidate for this, but your insurance company's not going to like it. They're going to want her to do surgery. And I'm like, don't worry about them. I got that. Is she a good candidate for this? He's like, yeah, she is. So me having been a paramedic and having done medical billing, I kind of know the jargon. I know what they're looking for. I know the reasons why they did not think. So I hit the pavement hard. I appealed. You need, the next four to six weeks were filled full of back and forth correspondence on the phone for hours at a time, but I was determined to make it happen. And because of a clause in her insurance, I was able to make it happen, but we had to assume a greater chunk of financial responsibility. Um, it was about $4,200, which we did not have laying around. And that was just for one round of radiation. So our family, our friends, our IG followers, our March of Dimes family, everybody came together and we made it happen. And the first week of March, she was able to have her first round of radiation. All went well. You know, she took it pretty well. We were able to get a second round 
Um, and halfway through that, she contracted um, something called radiation pneumonia. So we had to stop, um, let her heal, let her get through that. And as we got ready to go back in to do our third round, COVID-19 hit. Everything shut down. Um, cases are popping up in the hospital, and I'm just not comfortable. So me and the um, oncologist talk, me and the pulmonologist talk, and we all agree to just stay and still for a little bit, see what's going to happen. Little did any of us know how big this COVID-19 thing would actually become um, in our minds. I guess we thought, oh, it's going to be a few cases. That's going to be it. Little did we know it was going to be a full-out pandemic. So we literally sat still all that time kept her home, isolated her. Um, she had like speech therapy, but that stuff was, all, you know, virtual. We literally just kept her in the house. And we noticed as time went on, she required less oxygen. She required less uh, or fewer breathing treatments. And we were like, uh, why does it seem like you're getting better? This is weird. So I called her doctor and I said, look, can we get a chest x-ray? I just want to make sure these tumors aren't still growing because we're still feeding her she's still getting steroids and steroids feed the tumors which is why the tumors grew so fast because she was on such high rate of steroids so i'm like something's not right what is going on get a chest x-ray and the tumors are still the exact same size that they were back in march no tumor growth and i'm like this can't be right and he's like, honey, let's just take our miracles where we can get them. Let's just be thankful that her tumors are the same size and she's well. So that's what we did. Um, and here we are now um, in September. We do another scan. Tumors are the exact same size. No growth. So we're like, good. Okay, we're good. You know, she's not an oxygen anymore i'm ready to send the oxygen equipment back that's how confident i am i'm ready to get this stuff out of my house let's just move on i think we're good now and then we get ready to um my husband and i were ready for our anniversary we were going to go to orlando just to get away for a few days send my daughter to her mouth we decided to go to the pumpkin patch which we do every year we take it to the pumpkin patch of course take all of the precautions um, and a few days later, while we are now in Florida and my daughter's with my mom, she starts coming down with cold symptoms. She's vomiting. She's not eating. And then I began to have a sore throat, lost my voice, and then I lost my sense of smell and taste. And I said, oh, God, this is not happening. This is the one time we take her out of the house. You mean to tell me we're getting sick? I'm like, man, we must have the flu. I'm still in denial. I'm still in denial, not thinking that we could possibly have COVID-19. Um, but then my husband lost his sense of smell and taste. And I said, like, yeah, we got to get back home. So we rush home to our daughter. We take her, take her to get tested. Her COVID test comes back positive. And we knew. We, there was really no need for us to go get tested because we absolutely knew at that point we all have COVID-19. So over the next two weeks, um, we battled through that. Surprisingly, Rain did amazing. She had about seven days of terrible symptoms. And then after that, it felt like she was babysitting us. <laughs> we were on the sofa looking terrible and she was running around playing, being her normal, amazing self. Um, so we were just really shocked at how well she did with that um, and was able to come through it. 
still didn't require any oxygen or anything. Um, and honestly, up until this day, well, up until two days ago, she had not needed any oxygen. She's battling some kind of bug right now um, that's causing her to have some lower oxygen levels, um, fever. She's not eating very well, but I'm confident whatever it is, we can beat it uh, if we could beat COVID. So we're just keeping a good eye on her. But our story has just been one of triumph. It's been one of like amazing resilience. Even as I, every time I tell it, I still just cannot believe how far we've come. Um, it's incredible. So Ebony, what helped you during your NICU stay to stay sane? And what has helped you since you've been home to keep the faith in that resilience? So the NICU stay, honestly, I don't know that I was sane, um, to be quite honest. Um, I was kind of just going with the flow. I was in the NICU for like 12 hours a day. I was just kind of doing the same thing over and over again. You know, I was waking up, go in there, go to Whole Foods, go to Starbucks, grab my coffee. They knew my morning order. They knew my lunch order. And they knew our order as we left the NICU. Um, It was just so mundane and routine. I was just trying to get to the other side. Um, It was very lonely. um, But I think what really helped us to um, navigate it a bit better, I would say, was honestly one another. My husband and I, there's a quality in our marriage that I really can't explain, but we kind of turn up in adversity. Like things like NICU stays and sickness and things like that cause a lot of other couples to fall apart and to fight and to bicker. But it's always just drawn us closer together. Um, And we were best friends before we ever dated. And I feel like when tragedy comes out, I think maybe that's what kind of helps us. We just become best friends again um, and hone in on that. So he was really my strength um, through all of that. Um, Our friends and family sending us, you know, Uber gift cards and Starbucks gift cards. So they knew we were basically living on it. Whole Foods uh, credits, because I was basically living out of the Whole Foods hot bar for three months. Um, all of that stuff. This is very, very helpful um, to get through. And even now, just having a strong village, um, having a great perspective um, helps. Telling the story helps because I feel like, you know, I'm helping another mom to, you know, come through what I've come through and to avoid certain pitfalls that I fell into um, emotionally and mentally. Um, so that kind of helps me uh, move forward with the journey. And just looking at my daughter, she's just worth it. Like how dare I complain? She's not complaining and it's happening to her. So if she can have such an amazing outlook, what is wrong with me? She's only two, you know? So her, her view of the world makes everything better for me. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. What would you say to a parent that's preparing to bring home a child with medical needs? I would tell them to, COVID-19 has kind of changed this advice um, that I would normally give because unfortunately we're in a time where you cannot rely on your village um, so strongly to be there physically, but do rely on them emotionally, talk, get your feelings out. When people say, how can I help? Let them put the groceries on the doorstep. Let them, you know, buy that thing that you think is too expensive. If Whatever they want to do to help you, let them do it. Um, Amazon, 
both regular Amazon Prime and Amazon Fresh will be your best friends um, at a time like this. Um, Instacart, whatever, you know, subscription services you use, those things are amazing. And don't forget about yourself. Get that Ipsy subscription. Get that BoxyCharm, whatever is going to help you um, to have those moments of self-care. Do it. You know, self-care for me right now looks like hiding in the bathroom 15 minutes too long with my phone in silence. That's self-care some days. Some days it's a 30-minute shower. Some days it's just laying across the bed with absolutely nothing. Whatever it takes to refuel and recharge, do it uh, because you matter. And you have to remember, you know, sometimes it can feel like you're more a nurse than a mom. I've been there. I've been there. But you have to remember the why. Um, remember your marriage. Don't don't let your relationships, whether you're married or in a relationship or even your friendships, don't let them fall to the wayside of just becoming a mom. Still show up as all showed up for before. Show up as the mom. Show up as the friend. Show up as the wife. Show up. Show up for those who love you because they're going to show up for you too. Absolutely. When you look back on your birth experience and your pregnancy, what are you taking away as the lasting memory? I, hmm. if I could say anything that's, that's stuck out um, through all of this, it is the, um, hmm. I have to say the resilience of my child to see just how she bounces back um, from adversity, even at one pound, 15 ounces, to have the strength to pull out oxygen tubes and, you know, feeding tubes. And, um, you know, every time she was ready for a new milestone, she told us she would pull off her oxygen and it would be off for quite some time. And we wouldn't be able to tell because her sets never changed. Little stuff like that. Just seeing how amazing she was and she never she hardly ever to this day cries hardly ever cries doesn't matter how much pain she's in and that for me um has caused me to really mature um and to just grow up i'm like this child has no perspective of the world and she's got the perfect view already she just doesn't complain she's so content with whatever you give her um She's amazing. So just just thinking on all she's been through and how she's handled it um, gives me strength for whatever is to come, whatever that may be. Well, Ebony, I want to follow your story after this discussion. If listeners also want to follow your story, where can they find you? So you can find uh, my daughter, Rain, and I on Instagram. Um, Our Instagram handle is and she shall rain, um, spelled like her name, R-E-I-G-N. You can also find us on Facebook uh, at and she shall rain. There's also a page there. Both of those are prematurity awareness pages. We show the good, the bad, the ugly of having a premature child. We don't sugarcoat anything. Our admissions, our ER stage, you name it, you're going to see all of it. Um, you'll also see us uh, raising awareness for organizations like March of Dimes, of which we are ambassadors. So you can also find us even on the March of Dimes uh, website, print ads. Uh, we were recently in a campaign called It's Not Fine, uh, where I'm basically sharing um, 
you know, my story of being told, oh, you're fine. Oh, it's going to be fine. Um, and it absolutely was not um, because of, you know, being ignored in the doctor's office. And then again, in labor and delivery, it almost cost me my life. So we are fighting um, for better health care for moms. We should not be in a country that is this rich and have one of the worst um, rates of prematurity of, you know, maternal deaths in the world. So you find us there fighting for that. And you can also find us on our own website at sheshellrain.com, um, where we not only tell our story, but we also have a blog where we allow other moms to share their stories of medically, their medically fragile children, their premature babies. We allow them to spotlight their stories. And there's also a resource hub for moms, um, whether you've had preeclampsia help, you have a preemie, um, you're looking for apps to help you through your NICU experience, all of that. You can find all of that on my webpage. And there's also merchandise coming very, 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 very soon. So, and sheshellrain.com is also our kind of our hub for everything. Excellent. Well, Ebony, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing Rain's story. And we will certainly be looking forward to your updates. Thank you so much for having me. We appreciate it.